everyone. Junior church, four years old through fourth grade. You're dismissed to walk up front and go to junior church. How many of you are enjoying this thick air outside? You know, I woke up this morning and had to go. We got two weirdos over here who are really loving. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Larry loves hot and humid. He's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, just looking outside, I start sweating. Just looking. So, I have a, 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 there's been a lot of things going on culturally and and in our own families and stuff. And so, I really appreciated that meditation, Jason, that uh, we've got to do this love. We've got to, and love is obedience. If you love Jesus, you're going to obey what, obey what he says. And, and like he said, uh, I, I really think camp. Um, teaches the kids about the community of Christ. CIY really teaches about the discipleship. And then um, Team Serve teaches about the go and do them. Um, and how when those kids do all of these, they get this full collection of what the gospel and, and the Great Commission really is. And, uh, and if you doubt its impact, then you weren't listening to how it impacted him, just Jason. And if it does that to older guys, <laughs> we're the same age. So um, imagine what it can do for the kids, okay? And with that, that kind of goes when I said older guys. A, a young man approached his grandfather to ask him about his retirement. He knew that his grandpa was one of those that worked every day all of his life, was just consumed with work, would work long hours at his job. And, and so this grandson was just curious. What do you do with your time now, grandpa? How do you do everything or what do you do? And his grandpa was one of few words, and he says, well, I get up in the morning with nothing to do, and I go to bed with only half of that done. Those who are retired got the joke. That's why the rest of us like, I don't get it. So, I hope that for those who are retired, you are enjoying retirement, and I hope you're serving God in that retirement. We might retire from earthly careers, but we never retire from our Christian life. We're in talking about King David, and King David, in the time that we're going to look at today, is ready to retire. But before he does that, there's a couple of things he needs to accomplish. At this time, David is a very, he lived to be an aged monarch. He was a king who was greatly revered by his people, loved for his music and his poetry, his res- Respected for his remarkable wealth and power, he's famous far and wide for his military might and his victories. And as he is emulated for all of this love, he is, or all of this stuff, he is most esteemed by God to be called a man after God's own heart. But yet, he's something now that a lot of people don't like to claim. David is now an elderly person. And like many elderly people, David, in the twilight of his years, has a diminished physical condition. He's become somewhat thin and feeble, and he's he's unable to keep himself warm. Now, there are a lot of things, okay? Guys, we don't think we are too old to keep doing what we want to do. It is usually our wives who say, are you sure you should do that? And I've heard many wives, even wives in this room right now, they're like, Hopefully he learns, and they just laugh and wonder, and then they know they have to nurture and help their husband, who's done too much. 
Well, King David's at this point in his life. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 1. When King David was very old. Now, who would like to be called that? You're very old. King David was called very old. He could not keep warm even when they put covers over him. (laughs) There are people who can't keep warm. And that doesn't mean you're very old. Okay, ladies, I'm talking to you right now. Okay, but David was very old and he couldn't keep himself warm. So his attendants said to him, let us look for a young virgin to serve the king and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our Lord, the king, may keep warm. Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful young woman and found Abishag, a Shuamite, and brought her to the king. The woman was very beautiful. Notice he was very old. She was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no sexual relations with her. In a time before the inventions of uh, heated blankets or electric heating pads, they found a young woman who was hot in more than one way. Okay? She served the king, but she did it in an upright, holy fashion. She would lay next to him, but not lay with him. And that the reason, well, well, why'd they have to take a virgin? Because they're proving that she stayed pure and holy, and he didn't touch her in those unholy ways. Now, think about this. To be expected to tend to the personal and private needs of the aged king with tender affection. Called for a lady of rare gentleness and generous spirit. Abishag was her name. Abishag doesn't sound very appealing to us, but it appears that she was a great blessing to this old monarch. Yet what happens when people get old and they can't handle things sometimes? In the absence of David's strong leadership, David's son, Adinijah, took advantage of the situation. And he's going to proclaim himself as king. That's not how you gain the crown. Adinajad was David's fourth son, but it appears he's the next in line for the throne. The oldest Amnon had been murdered by David's third son, Absalom, who was punished for raping his sister, Tamar. Um, Absalom was executed by Joab during Absalom's revolt against David. Then David's second oldest son, born to the lovely Abigail, we don't ever hear of him, so it's likely surmised that he's probably died somehow. This meant the next person in line would be Adinijah. So first Kings, verse 5. Now Adinijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never rebuked him by saying, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Now notice this little parenthesis here. What is it saying? His father never rebuked him. Hmm. Maybe we'll see the effects of that. Adinijah conferred with Joab, son of Jeruah, and with Abathar, the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok, the priest, Benaiah, son of Jedahodiah, I just butchered that one. Nathan, the prophet, Shemi, and Ray, and David's special guard did not join Adinijah. Adinijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves on the stone at Zoheleth near El Anragel. 
He invited his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Benaiah the, or the special guard, or his brother Solomon. This guy is determined. He woke up and he says, I'm ready to be king. I can do it. I can handle dad's job. In fact, I can do it even better. And he's following Absalom's earlier example, his other brother, who decided to take the throne by force. He assembles horses and chariots. Basically, he's sending out in front of him a little army and a parade saying, hey, this guy is king. He's daring enough to speak or to seek support from the people who are part of David's group. His longtime commander-in-chief, Joab. Um, Abathar, the aged priest, has always served David. The Bible tells us, too, that he was handsome and impressive person. If we were going to do a movie or a play about this, I could play the parts. I think so. But, much like Absalom, it appears that he is a spoiled man. We've already seen that David has not been a good father. And of all of his triumphs and all of his victories, being a father is not something he was good at. And the scripture has said that he never rebuked him. David did not correct, discipline, or guide his children the way that he should have. He just didn't do it. There, there's a whole thing, and I've heard people say this, I just want to be my child's friend. Well, that's dumb. Okay? You're not supposed to be their friend. They have friends. Okay? You're to be their parent. Now, when your child gets older, I'm older now, and my mom is not really my mother who mothers me, but she's still my mom. And I have to treat her. Now, we, our relationship is totally different now than it was when she would spank me. Now she talks to Casey and has her discipline me. So just as a cue, if you have sons, make sure their wife is a good friend of you, ladies, so you can still influence your son. But they should have. David should have disciplined and guided his children, but he didn't. The result is what you'd expect, a self-centered, selfish, spoiled adult who felt entitled. It, it appears to me that Adinijah had some sense of what he was doing was going wrong because he did not invite Nathan the prophet. He did not invite Solomon, who Solomon was supposed to be king. It had already been said years before that Solomon was going to be king, and he's up, nope. I'm the bigger brother here. I can do that. So Adinajah assembles his own supporters just outside the royal city and held a full-fledged coronation banquet where he's duly anointed with oil as king by Abathar. The ringing cry of the people went up, Long live King Adinajah! And all of this comes back and Nathan the prophet hears this. Now, what does Nathan do? Let's look at verse 11. Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adinijah, the son of Haggith, was be has become king, and that our Lord David knows nothing about it? Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Pause. Why would he have to help save their life? Well, because if you take over royal duties there, 
you want to get rid of anybody who's going to have a claim to your throne, which would be Solomon. So more than likely, after Adinajad gets in here, he's going to execute anybody who would try to take it away. Verse 13, go into King David and say to him, my lord, the king, you didn't, did you not swear to me, your servant, surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me and he will sit on my throne? Why then has Adinajah become king? And Nathan says, while you are still there talking to the king, I will come in and add my word to what you have said. Nathan is stunned by this news. He's the spiritual leader of this group. Had the king changed his mind, what is going on? Or is this really a rebellion against what God has declared and David is supposed to pass on? With clear spiritual perception, Nathan saw at once that the nation stood in peril. Civil war and unbridled bloodshed is going to be the outcome of this event. Without a moment's delay, this prophet, who is aged at this time, went to see Bathsheba the queen. He urged her to seek an audience with the king in order to tell him this news and this terrible threat to Solomon and the future throne. And she can do this because it is her son. And to her credit, Bathsheba moves quickly. Moments later, she's in David's private quarters, presenting this case and demanding a decision that would determine the destiny of all Israel. No sooner has she spoken her piece, Nathan knocks on the door, and he comes in, and his main purpose was to determine whether or not David had changed his mind or is this going against God? Remember, David, you were told by God that Solomon would become king. Have you changed your mind? Have you changed what you were doing of following God? Now, where's David at this point? Laying in bed. He's cold. He's weak. He can't do anything. There's no way he can charge out and claim the throne back. He is got physical diminished abilities. But yet, even though he's towards the end of his life, he still is a man of action. He has made regrettable decisions during his long reign, and there's, he's been far from perfect, but he could act with firmness and finality when he wanted to. And in the physical weakness, David still had a will of steel. He didn't hesitate. Look what it says, verse 29. Then the king took an oath. To take an oath isn't just raising your right hand, okay? He is making a proclamation here. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this day what I swore to you by the Lord. So, if, as long as God's alive, who cannot die, I will make sure what God has told me, and I have already sworn by, that this is going to happen. The God of Israel, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground, prostrating herself before the king, and said, May the Lord King David live forever. Wait, wait. What does that mean? May the Lord King live forever. She knows he's going to die, so what does that mean? Long live the king. What it really means when we read this in Scripture is, May your reputation, may what you have done carry on and on through the generations. And so this oath that he just said, may what you said live forever, as what David has said. King David said, call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benai son of Jehodiah. 
When they came before the king, he said to them, Take your Lord's servants with you and have Solomon, my son, mount on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There have Zadok, the priest, and Nathan, the prophet, anoint him with the king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him, and he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, son of Jehodia, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my lord the king, so declare it. As the Lord was with my lord the king, so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my lord King David. What he's saying is, may God reign in him and may his reign be even bigger and better than yours, David. That's what he just said. David does something incredibly good here. And yet it is incredibly odd and not what generally a guy would do. He's told, one of your kings is trying to become king. And what's the typical response? If Guys, if one of your sons is trying to do something bigger and better than you, what do you want to do? I'll show him. I can still do it. When the younger guy tries to do the role of an older guy, that older guy gets upset and tries to show, I can still do the job. It's a competition. I am still able to do it. But David doesn't do that. He doesn't proclaim, I'm still king. I'm, I'm not dead. Don't put me in my grave. He, he doesn't declare that thing. He doesn't say that I can still fulfill the role. He doesn't try to wield his power. He doesn't call up the army and say, go kill him or imprison him. Instead, David, instead of trying to take center stage and show what he's still worth, he accepts. He accepts it. David accepts that he cannot fulfill the role anymore. The responsibilities, the job required, are more than he can handle at his old age. My grandpa Blake, um, he was a five foot, almost two stout man who walked bold-legged because I think he was born on a horse and never got off, okay? He was uh, 77, and I tried to do this uh, karate move on him. At 77, and I'm 18, and he overpowered me. He, he was all muscle. One time when he was in his 70s, he's out pile-driving the fence post, putting in a new fence row. But he was using the pile-driver that was too short. And he was doing this, piling it down, and it came up off and scalped him. Being a good, strong, knowledgeable man, he did what any man would do. He went to the truck, grabbed paper towel, put it in his hat, put it down, and went back to work. He came back home after finishing the three or four more posts. Now, head wounds, what's that going to do? It's going to keep bleeding. And if you lose blood, what happens? You get weak and and you can't really think straight. Well, Grandpa went home, takes off his hat, and pulls this wet down. Yeah, some of you are like, this is gross. And Grandma knows, hey, you need medical attention now. You know, I'm fine. She keeps saying it, so finally he agrees, but only if he can drive. Now, this is out in Colorado. The hospital's not just 10, 15 minutes away. Okay. Grandpa had to get stitches. 
Why did he have to keep going? Why didn't he just realize, you know what, I'm, I'm in danger here. Because he's got that one thing that a lot of us guys have. Pride and ego. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to keep going. David admits he's not up to the task anymore, and he proclaims Solomon should take his place, be crowned immediately. And I think we, too, need to do the same thing. I've already been learning it with my boys. They can do and a whole lot more than I can. I may have a lot of the knowledge, but they have a lot more brawn now. Now, looking at me, that's not much brawn, so you know, they just have a little bit more. I've had to kick them a little bit, okay? But I'll tell you, it's tough to swallow. And here's the hard part. Not when I have to say it, but when my wife says, um, you can't do that, have the boys do it. I, I can't do it. I'm 45. That is not old. Was that Jonathan? We're going to have a talk there, Jonathan. But David admits it. He admits that, you know what, I can't keep doing this. My abilities, my capabilities are not as much as they should be. And there's a different side of this coin. We need to come to the realization that we need help when we grow older and cannot keep doing the things we've always done in the past. Look, even Jesus had to have help to carry the cross. Now think about that. He's the Son of God. He carried the weight of all of our sins, but He needed help physically to carry the cross. A few years ago, two of just our favorite ladies in the church, um, Pat Holman, Lanier, they came up and said they had been doing all the dinners, the potluck dinners, the funeral dinners. They just did them all. Everybody knew they were in charge. And they came up and they said, we need new people to come do this because we're tired. We, we can't keep doing it, and we need more people to do it. And so after we talked a little bit, I said, I want to suggest something. The next dinner, the, fam- the potluck dinner we have, carry-in dinner, I want you to do this. Stay out of the kitchen and go sit on the other side and watch. And they're like, but, but who will do it? We have people, they just got to know that they can do it in, instead of just you. Pat and Lanier did it. They said, we have young people and it is time for us to pass that baton. And so they stepped aside. And guess what happened? Like seven people went in to fill these roles of two ladies. And Pat and Lanier sat over there, smiling, seeing the servants who were fulfilling the ministry. And I started thinking about that, thinking, I hope I can have that much humbleness, grace, when it's my turn to go sit and watch as the church carries on. So I, I appreciated you. You guys were amazing in that. They did what King David is doing here. So if they... if David, at doing this as a man after God's own heart, you know what I'm saying about Pat and Lanier right now. David's faithful servants did something here. They did exactly as they had been commanded. They followed through with the seven steps to um, sure succession for Solomon. 
the coronation ceremony for Solomon took the whole city with dazzlement because we already heard there's a king over here. Now we're seeing there's a king over here. The roar of celebration started reaching inside the city, and it goes out to where Adinajad is. Now, Joab, he's the one who's one of David's chief generals here. He's alarmed. His long experience as a commander alerted him at once that, wait a minute, there's thunderous applause and celebration in town. What if I'm on the wrong side here? A messenger arrived and explained that Solomon had officially been anointed as king and was sitting on the royal throne. Verse 49. At this, all Adinajad's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. Wow. Good friends. But Adinajad, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then Solomon was told, Adinajad is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, let King Solomon, what did he just call his little brother? He admitted his brother is king. He says, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put a servant to death with the sword. Isn't that just like the big brother say, ah, okay, fine, I'll let you be in charge, but you've got to promise you don't tell on me, and you've got to promise that you're going to help me and not hurt me. Solomon replied, if he shows himself to be worthy, not a hair of his head will fall on the ground, but if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men, and they brought Adinajad him down from the altar, and Adinajad came and bowed down to King Solomon, and Solomon said, go to your home. Adinajad's here in the celebration. Oh, long live the king. And then in a blind panic, so much for long live the king. They left. They went and hid. Adinajad suddenly knows that he's going to be a political refugee, which shows where he was thinking of doing with Solomon. I'll just get rid of Solomon and that's gone. Well, Solomon's now king, which means he's going to get rid of me. Surely I'm safe in the house of God. And when the news comes... This is what Solomon said. Fine. Behave. He put the responsibility back on the Adinajad. Just do what's right and you'll be fine. Behave properly. But if you're evil, you're done. Only time would tell if Adinajad would live or die. But the decision was based on him, on himself. Now, what are some lessons we can learn about this event, the story of David's life? First, we learn leadership sometimes calls for decisive action. Not dragging our feet, but actually just saying, okay, here's the thing, we need to move on it right now. As leaders in the church, leaders in the community, and leaders in your own homes, when danger threatens, we must act wisely and decisively. It's important. David didn't make this decision all of his own. He had people around him who were giving him information so he could act wisely on these. And it is important for us to immediately look to God for direction and wisdom before we act. But once we have the sense, once we know those actions, we have got to take it. Dragging our feet is disastrous for many reasons. To drag our feet could not just be disastrous to our own walk, but it could cause more calamities and cause and effects later on. King David is a good example for us at this point. He saw the danger of Adinajad's rebellion, and any leadership built on rebellion is going to fall. 
And that's not what David wanted. So he, he acted wisely and decisively. This isn't what David did when his son Absalom took the throne. He learned from this mistake instead that leadership calls for decisive action, and we need to have that wisdom of God in us. The strength to do God's will and oppose any spiritual threat to the church, to a community, and to our families. Second lesson we can learn from this event is we must accept the positions God has given us and not seek to take what isn't rightfully ours. Solomon was the rightful successor to the throne. It was a position that was not his to take, but was going to be his. God had declared it. David had already declared it. The position of king was not a to take for himself. Had he honestly approached God about this position, if he would have got it, said, God, I want to be king. I think I could do a good job. Do you think it would have been such a slam on his character of how it happened? I think God would have gently rebuked him and trained him and said, no, but I have something better for you. Instead, he did it this way, and he went down as a coward who hid, fearful of his brother. So it is not for us to complain about the positions and the places that God has ordained us for, but we must simply trust God and allow Him to work in us as He wills. When we try to take what is not ours, when we try to take that position, try to take that recognition, when we try to take that leadership that is not really ours, it leads to trouble. Look at all the other examples in Scripture of somebody who stepped up when they weren't supposed to do so. When we want God, when we want what God intends for others, we are breaking one of the commandments. Do not covet, crave, desire, manipulate so that you can get it. So that you get what someone has given to God. Or what, some, what God has given to someone else. To desire what God intends for others and somehow take it by force or trickery is not going to result in a blessing. Christians, what are we called to do but live in good standing, respectful, honoring, loving lives? So let's live the right example. Finally, from today's story, we can learn that age catches up with all of us. None of us should fear growing old, nor should we apologize for the limitations that we start getting because we get older. Many people don't get that privilege of growing older. There's a time for everything and a time to be younger and a time to be more able and more active. And there is a time to be older and less able and less active. We just had a whole season of softball games. Not once did I go out on the field and play. Do you know why? I'm old. Just ask the youth group right here. Okay, Blaine. That's two processors now. I knew my back can't handle that. When I got hurt and I had to have surgery, I just can't do it. So I'm going to sit on the sideline. Do you know what I wanted to do every time I saw people striking out? Oh, I could hit this. I want to do it. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to hit the home run. I wanted to do that again. But it's not my time. And it's not my place anymore. And so I'll sit there and I'll celebrate. And guess what? Greg got the Home Run Derby Award. He got the trophy. I could have done it better. 
No, but that would have been 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Hey. King David has been a great servant of God. And when he was younger, he was active, he was able, and he did it. But when he realized that he came to the end of that ability, he didn't wish for it. He didn't try to prove himself wrong, right, and prove himself that he could still. You know what he did? He handed the reins. He passed the crown. And because of that, he became an even greater example. Even in his older age, he's taking care of his responsibilities to the best of his abilities. To take care of the kingdom meant he had to pass it off to somebody who could carry it through. And what happened? Well, Israel became even bigger, more profitable, wealthy, and more influence. And isn't that what God has asked all of us to be faithful at, every, at all of our stages of life with whatever abilities we have at each stage? We got asked a couple years ago, this lady, sweet lady, said, I don't know what, I can't do a lot for VBS, but I just want to do something. And so she has sat in the kitchen and passed out the snacks. That's what she can do, and Anita's done a great job, and people are loving her for this. Because she's just this sweet, smiling lady who is handing out food. Of course we're going to love her. But she's still serving. She's still doing something. There was another church. A lady and her husband came up and said, I can't serve anymore. Our bodies can't take it, but we want to do something. And so you know what we did? We put them in the prayer group. And every time we had an event, every time there was something going on, these were the ones who didn't get on their knees and pray because they couldn't do that. But they held hands and prayed together about what was going on. And I'm going to tell you, they were more influential than they ever were when they were serving in the ministries. Because they were still active, but they had to hand off certain areas. We get so tied up with saying, this is mine to do. And I am guilty of this. This is my spot. I love this job. I love preaching. Man, it is fun. And I know it's part of God's calling, but there's going to be a day when I have to say, I can't do it anymore. Not with the frequency and not with the abilities, and I'm going to have to look at some young guy and say, you can do it better. It's your turn. And I'm going to have to fade back. And that is not going to be easy. And that's why I preach this sermon. This is for me. Because I've looked at it. How many more years do I have? What is the next section going to be? And I don't want to hinder the movement and the growth and the momentum of the church because of my pride. The church is so much bigger than that. No matter what stage we have, we are to serve and be thankful and faithful in that. We should appreciate and benefit from the younger and middle stages of life. I got to be on a panel um, 20-some years ago. It was a panel of senior ministers and youth ministers. And we have this local group. It's called FOAM, Fort Wayne Area Ministers Group. And so this was several years ago. I was still young, full head of hair, not just this little patch that doesn't grow anymore. And we were talking, and one of the things the youth ministers kept saying to all these group of older ministers is, 
Trust us now. Believe in us now. Quit taking things away from us because you think you can do it bigger and better. I just told the elders this. I've told two or three other family groups or people this. Right now we have Dustin right here, okay? And he's a better youth minister than I was. You need to hear this. I haven't even told you yet, and I'm sorry, I should have told you. Okay? We have so many youth group kids who want to go into worship and youth ministry. I wonder where they're seeing this. It's not me. They're seeing it from him. And that cascade of his heart and his ministry is boiling over and pouring on our kids, and we can see the results. And it's because someone better is doing youth ministry than I could. And I was a pretty good youth minister. Which means, in my head, there is someone coming who's going to take this spot and he's going to be so much better. What about you? Are there areas in your service, in your life, that you need to just say, you know what, God? You're right. I can't do this anymore. I need to back up and let you bring in the people who have already been called to do this. So I quit hindering them. Don't be dismayed if you cannot do what you used to do. You can hand out snacks and love those kids and be a great example. God has raised up younger people to fulfill the roles that we once used to do. Don't be upset if you don't have enough wisdom to understand. God walked with all those who are older in faith, and He's given them. So here, I've been talking to the older people, younger ones. You don't have all the knowledge and the experience because you're young. So ask the advice. Let them know that you appreciate and understand, or appreciate and love what they are trying to pour into you so that you can carry on the torch even more. God has walked with them so much longer. So learn from that. Proverbs 16.31, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. If you have gray hair, raise your hand. Hey, be proud of it. God says so. Okay, I have five right here. Gray hair is a crown of glory. And when you live a long life in your faith, gray hair is glory. Because it shows all the wisdom and the experiences you've had with God. Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. It's repeated. And so we cannot look down on the older people. Hear me, do not disrespect and ignore the older people. That is not glory and honor to them. That God has said they deserve. But also for us who have gray hair, know when it's time to step back and give that position, that place to other people. Age is going to catch up with all of us. That is part of God's plan. These earthly bodies are not meant to last forever. Like King David, let us serve God and be faithful all of our days. And as we near the end of our days and our abilities diminish, let us do what we can to continue to serve and bless God's people. We need to honor our elderly members and appreciate their heroic service. And I mean that for word, for word. Honor their, and appreciate their heroic service in their younger days. Let us also serve them and meet their needs as best we can. Because we need to love and honor them. 
the minister went to uh, visit an elder lady one day, and after sitting, chatting for a while, the minister said, you should be thinking about the hereafter. And she said, oh, I do all the time, no matter where I am, the living room, upstairs, the kitchen, down the basement, no matter what, I'm thinking, what am I hereafter? Sorry, I had to pray. We should all be thinking about the hereafter, no matter how old we are, no matter what stage we are at. If today should be your last day, if today is the day that you finally meet God, when you have to explain and answer for all the things you've done, are you ready to meet God? Mark 16, 16, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. He also said in Revelations 2, uh, 10. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Jesus will do what David showed us. He will take the crown and place it on those who remain faithful until the end. Are you faithfully serving God in your youth? There are a lot of times that the youth like, I don't know what to do. What, what can I do? There is a whole lot you can do. Just come ask Dustin. He'll find areas that he knows you can get involved in. There is plenty. You've seen them start coming up and doing communion meditations, doing videos. They're up in the sound booth. They're passing stuff around. We have an active youth group, and it says it's, we've had a long line of people pouring into them, and they step back and let the next person do it. And one day somebody's going to replace you, even you, Dustin. And part of that, he's like, woohoo! <laughs> so are you youth? Young people, are you serving God? What about the middle age? I didn't say much about us. Has been focused on a lot of the gray hair and then the young ones. Well, are you faithful as the number of years starting to mount? Are you ready to start saying, maybe I can't and I step back? Are you preparing yourself? And are you picking up slack where some of those saints need a break? And are you faithful as the number of years begins to mount on your body and your body is giving out? The church is best when each of us knows our gifts, our talents, and knows when we cannot carry on with what we used to do. Jesus didn't stand up and say with the cross, oh, oh, I'm sorry, guys, I still got it. He allowed another person to help carry the load. And Scripture even says... Blessed is the person who has a friend. We need each other. When we allow others to come and carry the load, and it's time the church did that for each other, regardless of age. You have a ton of wisdom and experience that needs to be passed on to the youth. So do that. But in order to do that, sometimes you've got to back up and let them carry the physical load. And that, when we do it, you ever seen Legos? Okay? And when you snap them together, they can be hard to bring apart, right? I had Legos growing up, and there were teeth marks on some of them where I tried to pry them apart. When the church is living the church, when we have the youth who are carrying a lot of the physical load, and we have the, the older ones who are giving out a lot of the spiritual wisdom and teaching, we are coming together in the strength of like that Lego wall, and Satan is going to try and dig his teeth in to pull us apart, and he's not going to win. Because when the church comes together, when the church sets aside its pride and ego, when the church sets aside its own agendas... The church stands up and the gates of hell tremble. 
when the church stands up in unity and love, we can come together and we can make an impact in here. But we've got to come together. So what are you willing to do? Let's stand right now and we're going to go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for the church. But God, we ask right now that you would help us. First, forgive us. Forgive us when we've tried to carry it all by ourselves, when we, when we refuse the lifelines that you've given us, the, the extra supporters and helpers to carry the load, and we tried to do it on our own. God, forgive us of that. Remind us that it is your church and not ours. And then, God, show us how we can be an active, moving church that is ready to carry out your orders of carrying the message of Christ to all the people around us. I thank you for the examples we've seen in the youth, the examples we've seen in some of our older saints as they still just serve. And God, help us to all be like all of that. We thank you for your love and your compassion. And Lord, as we come back to a time of worship, help this to be one where we thank you We praise you, we honor you, and we uphold one another as we serve and worship in your name. In that name we pray. Amen.